John Keel, in his book, The Eighth Tower, says in 1921, Marconi held a press conference and made one of the most sensational statements of his career. For several years, he said, his company's receiving stations had been intercepting mysterious organized signals low on the long wave band. Investigations had failed to pinpoint their source. It was his studied opinion that these phantom transmissions were coming from outer space. Now, if by from outer space Marconi meant other beings of an alien source in the sense of there's a planet somewhere out there uh, in the Federation and uh, they're sending signals and we just happen to pick up on it, then he was incorrect. He's wrong. I, I don't believe that from my point of view. However, if what he meant was that there was something in that frequency that somehow or another through their scientific investigation they had begun to push through the veil that separates us from the spirit world, then they may very well have picked up on something. And it's well worth investigating and following up. Now the fact is, spirit or spiritual does not mean not real. The spirit world is real world. And although the spiritual reality is only faintly grasped by us in this life, it does not mean that the spiritual dimension is not real. Science, quantum physics, dark matter, uh, many of these outlying and even mainstream areas of science and theory are only now beginning to touch on an area that Bible believers have known for a long time. And that is that the spirit world, the spiritual dimension, the dimensions beyond which we are familiar with, they are absolutely real. Truth is, I think the average Christian sitting in a church and the average non-disciple would be surprised to find out exactly what the Bible teaches. Most of the time, we only really scratch the surface in, in preaching and teaching felt needs, and we often fail to actually preach and teach what the Bible is teaching. The spirit world is very much real. I read of a quantum physicist one time who said, we know something is there, we just don't know how to get at it. And he was right. There is something there. In fact, much of Scripture is given to us to be able to know how to face that reality, sometimes even more so than the very dimension and reality in which we're living. If you've ever read the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 4, the Apostle Paul pins and says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. And he begins to try to turn their mind towards an eternal dimension, a dimension that is distinctly different, but distinctly real. Much of Scripture is given for us to be able to live our, li our lives in the light and the reality of this concreteness. You see, something was lost in the Garden of Eden. I believe in the literal account of Genesis 1 through 3. I believe the earth was created in six literal days. I, I believe the account that was given. And I believe in Genesis chapter number 3, mankind was plunged into sin and all the ramifications and theological issues that that has produced. I believe it's absolutely correct and literal. But I don't necessarily believe that all that took place is recorded or delineated there. There were some consequences and ramifications that we catch only by inference. And I do believe that something was lost there in the Garden of Eden. 
that limits and closes us off to direct perception of the spiritual dimension. Now, we know, we know that animals can often see at different levels, hear at different levels. And I think there's a tendency, again, to think of spiritual as being not real. But, for instance, there's a story in the Bible where Elisha has a servant by the name of Gehazi. They are in their home, and they're surrounded by Syrian armies. This Elisha prays, asks God to open his servant's eyes, and all of a sudden his servant now sees that there is a spiritual army surrounding the Syrian army, a real, literal army that was there in the spiritual dimension. Now, as believers and disciples of Christ, we should be far more spiritually attuned and far more spiritually minded than than we think that we are. I think it's important that we have what some of the ancient, uh, some of the old uh, big game hunters used to call jungle awareness, that jungle sense when you could feel something was there. The Bible says we're to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary as the devil, as a lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There needs to be some discernment. And I don't mean, I don't mean to suggest at all that we are to be spiritualists. That's not what I'm talking about. Delving into the areas of a cult, that is a no-no. But we have to actually recognize that what Scripture is talking about when it talks about the spirit world and spiritual laws and spiritual principles, even though it's beyond our direct perception, it is nonetheless real. Real consequences, real value, real meaning, real power. But for all that need and for all that talk to recognize the reality of the spirit world, it is so hard to do that. It is very, very hard to live by faith, which simply means taking God at his word, both for the seen and the unseen dimension. Now, the primary way to see clearly into this spiritual dimension is through the Bible. It is the only lens by which we can see with absolute clarity and and undistorted. We do not see it all, but what we are allowed to see we know is clear and true because it comes from Scripture. But sometimes, as I have said before, and I've said this on several occasions in many other broadcasts, there are connections that we, we find outside of the Bible, not superior to the Bible, not in addition to the Bible or helping the Bible, but they serve to reinforce what we already know to be true as disciples from the Scripture. And today I want to talk to you for just a few moments about some of these reinforcing truths that remind us of the reality of the spirit world. Now one of those interesting facts, one of those interesting areas that we see that seem to reinforce the spirit world and the things that the Bible teaches is that all around the world, for as far back as you can go in antiquity, people have claimed encounters and abductions and interactions and experiences of all kinds and all sorts with what have been termed extraterrestrial beings. Now, if you wanted to get technical, I think you could call them spiritual beings. Another phrase might be maybe interdimensional or extra-dimensional or other-dimensional beings. But whatever the case, whatever you want to call them, if you're more comfortable in calling them simply a dimensional being, or more from the Christian's perspective, you're comfortable in calling them spiritual, 
The fact of the matter is, as far back as you can go in antiquity, there are beings that are not bound to the laws and dimensions of this planet. Or at least that's what claims have been made. Mind you, not by a few. Not by a couple hundred or a couple thousand, but by millions of people in a myriad of different religions and in a myriad of different anthropological and cultural contexts. There are beings that have been witnessed, talked about, seen, and experienced that are not bound to the laws and dimensions of this planet. Beings that are powerful and deceptive. Beings that are varied in their appearance and presentation, but still strangely and curiously uniform across the world in their primary desires, in their primary interactions with mankind, and truthfully in their primary theology. And we're not talking about X-Files, gang. We're not, we're not talking about National Enquirer kind of stuff. We are talking about real people in real time and space reality that has been recorded universally across lines. We're talking about real experiences here, beyond our capability to fully understand and grasp in our perception. But people, for as far back as you can go, have seen and experienced something. Today we call it the UFO experience, the abduction experience. At other times it was called fairies. Before that it was called watchers. But across the line, however varied, however culturally nuanced, there is a common theme of other dimensional people from the skies who have interacted with mankind. And something that will really begin to open your eyes is that the more you study this just a little bit, the more you begin to realize this is not a local occurrence. This is something that is global in nature. And it is my personal opinion and it is my personal theory that these events and these realities, where they are real, they, they have direct connection with the spiritual world. And I won't put a percentage on how much of that is evil spiritual world and simply spiritual world from, from the divine or the righteous side. But that these events, where they are real, where they're not hoaxes or military or easily explained, where they are real experiences beyond description, what they are doing is they are giving us a reinforced picture of the reality of the spiritual world. Just like Marconi picking up those signals on that radio. Where were they coming from? Nobody else had that ability at that time. Was he indeed picking up on a low-end bandwidth something that was going on, maybe like putting his ear up to the wall, though he couldn't see, though he couldn't experience everything, he was hearing the muffled sounds of another room. Was it possible that he was hearing the muffled sounds of another dimension, the spirit dimension? I think these are, these are interesting things to think about. Absolutely interesting to think about the reality of the spiritual world. Now, Graham Hancock, in his book, The Supernatural, talks here. He's speaking about uh, another doctor, uh, and this man, last name is Mac. Uh, he's quoting him and talking about some of his work here, and he's talking about Mac's uh, encounters and studies that he had done. He says, in other words, people who believe they had been abducted by UFOs were not uh, fanatics, not mad, not delusional. But all of them to appear to have suffered the same 
constellation of unexplained traumatic experiences. Indeed, many showed the measurable symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, usually more familiar in soldiers returning from the battlefield. Something radical and extraordinary was happening. He was certain of that. But his instinct, now, now listen very closely to what he says here. His instinct was that it had to do with collisions of different levels or states of reality rather than nuts and bolts encounters between physical human beings and equally physical aliens from an extraterrestrial planetary culture. What he was saying was, in essence, is that these people that were undergoing psychiatric and psychological uh, counseling and help for their abduction encounter were actually not in that state because they had encountered another physical, same-dimensional encounter, but it was rather a collision of one dimension with another, we would say, our world with the spiritual world. In fact, in connecting two particular things, Graham Hancock goes on and asks, could aliens and spirits be the same thing, or the same class of thing? And if so, what might this mean for our understanding of the human condition and the nature of reality? Could the realm from which UFOs appear and then seem to disappear back into again between one blink of the eye and the next be the spirit world? as John Mack came increasingly to believe. More intriguingly, what are the chances of this being the same spirit world with its well-chartered supernatural geography and inhabitants that shamans have entered and negotiated with by means of hallucinatory out-of-body journeys since time immemorial? You see what he's doing? He's connecting the dots. He's connecting, are the UFO experiences, are they spiritual or dimensional? And if they are, are they the same spiritual and dimensional that shamans and occultic people have encountered? And the answer throughout his book is yes. Yes, it is. Whatever the difference is, whatever the nuances are, there is a concreteness, a reality to that spiritual world. And when you see these kind of things, you are catching reinforcing glimpses of what the Bible tells you, that there is a spiritual world. Now, I submit, I submit to you that Satanic powers have always presented themselves to one degree or another in the current frame of reference of the culture and time in which they are dealing with. It is possible that the appearance of these beings is so powerful that our minds have to contextualize it in some source, in some, some sort. So in other words, what I'm saying is, is that somebody on a back road somewhere, thinks what they're seeing is maybe a, a ball of light or a spacecraft, when in fact what they've encountered is a thinned veil or visibility of some sort of angelic or powers of darkness. But because it is so shocking to their dimensionally organized mind, they, they immediately have to perceive it like that. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the powers of darkness, maybe these demons, maybe these beings are presenting themselves that way. I don't know. There's a lot of nuances to this. But one thing that I do know, when you study and look across the board of alien abduction and occultic and shamanism, you see continually, time after time after time again, a uniformity and a consistency among these things. An example can be found when it comes to aliens and animals and spirits. 
this doesn't get as much play most of the time in the news, but those that have done research have come to find that abductees, those that claim to have been abducted by extraterrestrial life, generally construe aliens very frequently presenting themselves in the form of animals or with hybrid animal and alien characteristics. Indeed, John Mack, David Jacobs, and other researchers who interviewed large numbers of abductees found such accounts of encounters with aliens as we just mentioned. Strange humanoids that either had certain animal characteristics or were fully transformed into animals. Max says that aliens can appear to be shapeshifters, often appearing initially as animals. Owls, eagles, raccoons, deer are just among the cre- a few of the creatures that abductees have initially seen. Now what's interesting about that is when you read the book of Revelation chapter 4, or Isaiah, or Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2, or Matthew chapter number 13, the Bible seems to confirm that same thing. That same thing. That there are beings in the spirit world that either are or present themselves with certain animal characteristics. Another example is that whether it's UFO or shamanism or occult, the power of knowledge plays a profound role in the encounter, in all encounters. I'm quoting here from someone who experienced an encounter in the book Supernatural by Graham Hancock. A spirit came toward me. He asked me a strange question. What do you wish to become? I answered him without knowing that I wished to become a saint. Then the spirit smiled and immediately he had in his hands something that he did not have before and it was a big book with many written pages. Here, he said, I'm giving you this book so that you can do your work better and help people who need help and know the secrets of the world where everything is known. I thumbed through the leaves of the book, many written pages, and I thought that, unfortunately, I did not know how to read. I had never learned, and therefore, that would not have been any use to me. Suddenly, I realized I was reading and understood all that was written in the book, and that I became as though richer, wiser, and all that happened in one moment of time, I learned million of millions of things. This is the re, uh, retelling of an encounter during, uh, uh, during a uh, uh, psychologist encounter. Uh, what am I trying to say here? During a uh, psychotherapy uh, session, this person is telling this encounter that they had with the spirit. And the key here is the spirit of knowledge. Knowledge. Whether it's occultism, alienism, shamanism, the same can be said for aliens in the spirit of love, shamans in the spirit of love, occultism in the spirit of love. Of course, I use love not in the biblical or godly sense, but I use love in the sense of interacting and procreating with human beings. If you do just a little bit of work, you will find that whether it's in Panama, whether it's the Payez Indians of Colombia, whether it's among uh, the tribes and people of Venezuela, Mexico, the Americas, Eskimos, South America, Siberia, you name it, anywhere, anyhow, there is a powerful narrative that is continually told whereby aliens, spirits, occultic practices interact with human beings and the sexual reproduction. In fact, one writer says, I am convinced that the reproductive narrative is powerfully real for the experiencer. 
To the best of my knowledge, after thousands of hours of investigation with scores of abductees, no Freudian or other individual psychodynamic explanation seems to account for its basic element. In other words, what I'm trying to show you is that whether it's the animals and their appearance, whether it's knowledge, whether it's love, whether it's fairies, whether it's giants, whatever it is, there is a cross-cultural, cross-time consistency among these beings and the way that they appear. So however disjointed, we're just simply reminding ourselves that the spiritual world is real. That the spiritual world is real. In a Bud Hopkins book entitled Sight Unseen, he's quoted here as saying, we know that human beings see and hear objects and events that occur with only a small fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum. Many physicists now propose that we similarly perceive only a tiny fraction of the greater reality spectrum. In other words, reality itself is much larger than it seems to our limited perception. Man, is that true? Man, is that true? In Rick Straussman's book on his investigations into the drug DMT and how it affected people, he has a book called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. He says, What happens when the spirit molecule pulls and pushes us beyond the physical and emotional level of awareness? What happens? We enter into invisible realms, ones we cannot normally sense and whose presence we can scarcely imagine. Even more surprising... These realms appear to be inhabited. Well, it took him millions of dollars and a college uh, uh, research center to come up with something that the Bible already told you. There is an unseen realm inhabited, a spirit world that is real. Again, Graham, Graham Hancock says the same thing. He says, my intuition was that I had been afforded glimpses, however brief, and however distorted by my own cultural preconditioning of beings that are absolutely real in some modality, not yet understood by science, that exist around us and with us, that even seem to be aware of us and to take an active interest in us. So my point is simple. And that is, the spirit world is real. Now the Bible is the only true guide. It is the only unadulterated pure guide. But there are other places and other events and other things that seem to reinforce that. And one of them is this connection between the UFO abductee, shamanism, occultism, many of these paranormal activities. Yeah, a lot of it is silliness. Yeah, a lot of it is kitschy. A lot of it's trying to get on TV. A lot of it's carnival stuff. But there is a reality that is out there. And even if it's a 10% or 5%, that 10% or 5%, you're hearing, you're seeing, you're sensing beyond the veil the reality of the spirit world. So my message on this Friday is simply this. Christians, we better start living like we believe in the spirit world. We better do what the Apostle Paul said and take into us the whole armor of God. Because this is not just some sort of emotional thing. It's not some sort of sentimental idea that there is spiritual wickedness in high places. It is a real thing, real power, real beings, a reality that the world has known about since the beginning of time, but a reality that has been lost, I think, for a big part 
on the American Western uh, Renaissance mind, I'll say. Let us live. Let us live like what is beyond the veil is real. Why? Because it is.